0: recruited others to join him they roamed the hood and challenged authority community leaders feared them religious leaders abhorred them we have to get them off the streets they said but they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror they were spreading love Well, the, uh, the, the name of that particular Jesus commercial is titled Rebel. And I've been uh, thinking a lot about rebels. What makes someone a rebel? The Oxford Dictionary tells us that a rebel is a person who rises in opposition or armed resistance against an established government or leader, okay? Um, but that's a pretty narrow definition, don't you think? I mean, rebels come in all shapes and sizes and some just might surprise you. For instance, Mr. Rogers was a rebel in 1969, when black Americans were still prevented from swimming alongside whites, Mr. Rogers decided to invite officer Clemens to join him and cool his feet in a pool, breaking a well known color barrier. Mr. Rogers was a rebel. What comes to your mind when you think of a rebel? Historically, my thoughts kind of go to, oh, Joan of Arc, uh, William Wallace, uh, Martin Luther, Oscar Schindler, uh, you know, Rosa Parks, just to name a few. Each of them rebellious in their own right and definitely historic. But I also think about fictional rebels. You know, the movies are full of them. Han Solo, Cool Hand Luke, Ferris Bueller, Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption. Hey, even The Little Mermaid is a rebel, you know. Each bucking the system, each fighting authority. Now this one goes back to 1955, and although I've never seen the movie, I'm familiar with the title, Rebel Without a Cause what about jesus was he a rebel was he a rebel with a cause the clip we watch from the he gets us campaign certainly makes the case and i will too with the word of caution because jesus is dynamic and he is wonderfully complex he has a diamond with many, many facets, and so it's a mistake to shoehorn Jesus into one particular cultural box. We mustn't turn Jesus into a caricature of our own making. Uh, there's no one like Jesus. He doesn't fit in any box, unless that box is called savior of the world. Y- you see, on one hand, it is not a stretch at all Uh, to say that Jesus was a rebel. He was. He bucked the system. He turned over tables. He targeted the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were the men with the power, the gatekeepers of Jewish culture. He thumbed his nose at the priests and the politicians. But but most of all, rebel Jesus broke the man-made religious rules of his day. He healed people on the Sabbath. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He touched lepers and defended a woman from rock throwers. Jesus was definitely a rebel. He was the ultimate rebel with a cause. But like I said, there are dangers in getting too much mileage out of this rebel talk. Uh, Sure, Jesus was a rebel, but. Oh, he's so much more. He is Savior. He is Almighty. Through him all things were made. He is rightful king of the world. He is the sinless son of God, the Father, in whom he perfectly loved and who he perfectly obeyed. Jesus was an obedient rebel and that sounds kind of like a like an oxymoron doesn't it a contradiction obedient rebel jesus was obedient to the will of his father it's very clear that from the start jesus was not rebelling against god's old testament laws he followed the law to the letter and he told others to do the same he didn't come to do away with god's rules He came to keep them. Jesus was obedient to God's law, and he was obedient to God's will. All the way to the cross. Remember what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. And that is the hardest thing to pray, if you mean it. But Jesus prayed it, and meant it, and then did it. He was obedient, even unto death. And What's more, Jesus really wasn't all that rebellious against the civil authorities of his day. Now, now the Bible doesn't record many interactions between Jesus and the Roman government, but we're left clueless either. For instance, Jesus paid taxes, and he told his followers to do likewise, saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. He also told those who listened to his Sermon on the Mount that if someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. What's he referring to? Oh, well, here's what. Roman law said that if a soldier commanded you to carry his pack, Uh, forced you, pressed you into service, you were obligated to carry that load for one mile, but no more. Jesus says, make it two miles. That's hardly rebellious. But he was a rebel. And he called followers to be rebels too. But the right kind of rebel. Let's turn back to that He Gets Us ad. I want you to listen again to the words that accompanied the black and white pictures. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They quit their jobs, left their families, and swore allegiances. They roamed the hood, challenged authority, and made a lot of people angry. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders opposed them. Law enforcement labeled them outlaws. We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets, protect our communities from these troublemakers. But they weren't part of the gang spreading hate or terror. They were spreading love. Yeah, that's accurate. In this context, Jesus is the ultimate rebel he ran completely counter to the culture of his day he consistently flipped things upside down he is crazy with his love he is reckless with his grace he is radically inclusive the things he said and the things he did and the way in which he treated people especially outsiders jesus is the perfect rebel A case in point, this morning we're going to look at uh, Jesus' interaction with a woman at a well, and it is a fascinating encounter. It takes place in John chapter 4, and Jesus is traveling with his disciples through Samaria, and when he gets to town, his disciples leave to, to get something to eat, and Jesus is weary, and he is thirsty. And at the sixth hour which is noon the hottest part of the day jesus goes to a well and here she comes she is a social outcast nobody goes to the well at that time of day unless you have to and she has to because of her living arrangement she is shunned in the town And she's also poor. Getting water, that is a servant's job. And so here she is, and here Jesus is. He has no way of getting water out of the well because he doesn't have a water jar. And so Jesus asks her something completely rebellious. Will you give me a drink? I know, uh, it seems pretty tame to us, but it's... It's really something. We'll we'll come back to it. We're going to press on. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and flocks and herds?" Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, willing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have had five husbands and man you now have is not your husband what you have said is quite true sir the woman said i can see you are a prophet okay let's stop here because already it is a remarkable conversation a bible scholar kenneth bailey points out three big surprises. One, Jesus breaks the social taboo against talking to a woman, particularly in a place where there are no witnesses. And Rebel Jesus completely blows this one out of the water big time. In fact, the encounter with the woman at the well is the longest recorded conversation in the Bible between Jesus and one other person. But in that society, a strange man does not do such a thing. And even still today, in Middle Eastern villages, and certainly in Jesus' day, uh, uh, a man rarely, if ever, spoke to a woman in public, even his own wife. And a single man, especially a rabbi, would never converse with a woman. Unthinkable why. Well, in this setting, it's because of all the extra laws the Pharisees put in place. The scribes and the Pharisees who studied Moses' law, I think 10 Commandments, for example. They tacked on an additional 613 regulations. For instance, let's do one. God's law, the sixth commandment, do not commit adultery, good law. And so the religious leaders of the day came up with ways that they thought would be helpful for people to keep this law. Think of it like a fence. The Pharisees built a fence around God's law by adding other external laws around it so people wouldn't get close to breaking the original law. You break, For example, in the case of not committing adultery, they ex extended it by creating a safer boundary. Do not come within 20 paces of a strange woman. Do not make eye contact. Don't even look at a woman in public. A side note, if you are a really good Pharisee, then you were a bleeding Pharisee because you kept your head down from avoiding looking at women he would bump into walls and posts and things, and they wore their scars and their scabs on their foreheads with pride. Jesus was unimpressed. Now, the second shocker is that Jesus ignored the 500-year-old hatred between Jews and Samaritan, and there's lots of history here which we won't get into, but just know that these two groups, ethnicities, cannot stand each other. They are the bitterest of enemies, have been for centuries. Third surprise, Jesus asks her for a drink from her jar. Jews would never use a vessel that was contaminated by an unclean Samaritan. For anyone who drank from it would be unclean too. To put it another way, she had Samaritan cooties. And along comes Jesus, and blows all these cultural norms and all these extra man-made religious rules out of the water. He is breaking the whole system apart. He's busting it up. Racial barriers, cultural barriers, economic barriers, gender barriers, even the moral barrier. That he, Jesus, a religious Jewish male, should have nothing to do with her at all, but he does. He reaches right across all human divides in order to connect with her. In this encounter, Jesus is saying, I get you. I know you. And I know your life is very hard. I know your story. And I care about you. And she is amazed and we should be amazed too. Jesus gets her and he's going to heal her and getting to the truth of her story is going to be part of that healing. Did you note how Jesus confronts her with the truth? And Jesus tells her to go and get your husband. And that's gonna be a problem Uh, for the man she now has is not her husband. You remember the sixth commandment. Jesus honors God's law. And so he will not look the other way or pretend that it's no big deal. Now she is trying to sidestep the issue But Jesus will get to the truth and it will cut her to the heart. But that is his way. However, he does it gently and and without condemnation. And and this is big. We've got to get this church. Here it is. I, I got this from John Ortberg. There is a great chasm between discerning the truth and condemning someone. He illustrates, a good dentist discerns the truth about my cavity, but he doesn't condemn me for it. Condemnation is not simply an observation about my condition. It's an observation combined with malice. Oh, looks like you have been flossing enough. Now your teeth are rotten. Nice job. That's condemnation observation with malice but jesus doesn't do that oh he gets to the truth only in order to heal and heal her he shall in fact he's gonna stick around two more days and heal the whole town Uh, continuing with this encounter at the well jesus offers her living water what's that that is a metaphor for life eternal in himself and she goes on to discover that Jesus is not only a prophet, but he is the Christ. He is the long-awaited Messiah. And furthermore, she is going to become one of the first, if not the first, Christian missionaries. And she runs and tells others, come and see. Come meet someone who told me everything I ever did. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And then skipping further ahead, they too discover Jesus and declare, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Oh, Jesus is the savior of the world. And he is the perfect rebel with the ultimate cause. Jesus was inclusive, His love and the way he went about life ran completely opposite to the cultural norms and the religious expectations of the day. He went out of his way to care for people whom society rejected and he loved them all. It didn't matter who you were or what you had done. He embraced all comers. Everyone was welcome. Everyone was invited to drink freely and never be thirsty again. Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to be the right kind of rebel. A rebel that includes people and befriends people, all people, Jesus didn't pick favorites or exclude others who had a different worldview or lifestyle from him. No, he reached out with love and kindness from the poorest of the poor to the influential big shots, and yes, even the religious leaders. Jesus extended the invitation to them all, and he would have his followers do the same. You know, Jesus is looking for some rebels with a cause, obedient rebels. And if you obey God, oh, you will be a rebel, a rebel who brings love where there is no love rebel who brings grace where there is no grace a rebel who brings kindness when there's no kindness jesus where there is no jesus the world needs the right kind of rebels the world needs more missionaries to run into your town your office, your school, your home, your hood, and tell about the one who gets you and loves you and knows your story. Who in your life is God asking you to include? Is there anyone that you could reach out to, or invite them, or? tell them that you you love them or forgive them? Is there someone you could offer living water of Jesus to? the amazing grace of Jesus changes lives. It it certainly did for the woman at the well, But, but do you remember how it all got started? How did it start for her? It was because Jesus was thirsty I know that detail seems unimportant, but it's really something. You think of it. If Jesus had not been thirsty, he would not have gone to the well and she would have not found living water. But why was Jesus thirsty? It was because the holy, almighty, maker of the universe, king of heaven and earth, the divine son of God, had emptied himself of all of his glory and he humbled himself and he came into the world as a weak and vulnerable human being who would get weary and very thirsty. The woman at the well found living water because Jesus said he was thirsty you know, this won't be the last time Jesus will say he was thirsty. Uh, they will judge him wrongly. They will sentence him to a criminal's death and he's hanging on a cross now. And what does he say? I thirst, I'm thirsty. But he meant more than just physical thirst there Jesus was experiencing the loss of relationship with his father because he was taking the punishment that we deserve because of our rebellion against God, because we're not obedient to his law or his will or his ways. And so there he is on the cross. As Tim Keller writes, it is there where he was cut off from the Father, the source of living water. He was experiencing the ultimate torture, killing, eternal thirst of which the worst death by dehydration is just the hint. It is because Jesus Christ experienced cosmic thirst on the cross that you and I can have our spiritual thirst satisfied it is because he died that we can be born again and he did it gladly seeing what he did and why he did it that's what will turn our hearts away from the things that enslave us and toward him in worship And that is the gospel. And it is for you, for me, for skeptics, for believers, for insiders, outsiders, outcasts, everyone in between. He gets us. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are more than a prophet.